Well, hello, everyone, um, and welcome to EDS at Union Now podcast. I am joined with uh, by Rebecca Blatchley and Alan Yarbrough, as well as Dean Kelly Brown Douglas. Uh, Rebecca and uh, Alan are from the Episcopal Church's Office of Government Relations in Washington, D.C., and they're here uh, to do a workshop with students a little bit later today on their voting faithfully uh, toolkit and to have a conversation about gun safety or gun reform resolutions uh, taking place in the Episcopal Church. But I thought it would also be a great opportunity to have a conversation about the Vote Faithfully toolkit, especially as we are now less than a month away from election day uh, for the midterm uh, elections. The resource, uh, and we'll provide a link to this, begins with a quote from presiding bishop Michael Curry, just reminding people of some of the values that we as Episcopalians uphold, such as love your neighbor, uh, seek the common good, and make the better world, make a better world. And then he encourages folks to go and vote. And I was wondering, just as a starting point, you could just say a little bit about this kind of bringing together of values and voter mobilization and, and kind of how that fits into the voters' uh, toolkit. Yeah, thanks so much, and it's great to be here. Thank you for hosting us. We're thrilled. Uh, Alan has been the lead on the Vote Faithfully Toolkit and on voter outreach, so I can let him say more about that. But I would just start by mentioning that the effort of encouraging people to participate in their civic life um, through voting is one way to engage the government among many in our office encourages Episcopalians to get involved through advocacy, through calling members of Congress, through commenting on public rules when they're put forward, through um, all kinds of engagement that we really feel like as Christians we have responsibility to live into our values and that means not just in our community life and our, our um, local context, but also where we can have an impact, and that is through voting, and that is often, for many people at least, to be able to contact a member of Congress. We often think of Bishop Curry's quote that um, evangelism isn't about building a bigger church, but about building a better world. Mm-hmm. And so advocacy, we think, is one way to help build that better world, and again, voting is a really key piece of it, and, and so are all kinds of ways that we can talk more about of how to get engaged in our office. But I can let Alan talk more about the toolkit. Sure, absolutely. So, yeah, again, it's wonderful to be here. Um, you know, in terms of the, the connection to values and, and highlighting that, the way Bishop Curry's highlighting it, you know, casting a vote or, or choosing someone um, in an election means putting them in an, in an office of, of power, a position of power where they can, they will determine what our nation's policies are, um, whether that's at a at a national level, the federal level, which is primarily where our office focuses, but also in state elections and local elections as well, you know, what policies, what changes are important uh, in our local towns or local municipalities. Uh, and so the values piece comes in at saying, you know, what do we want those people, what values do we want to see in those people? Uh, are they in line with our own? What policies do we want to see enacted? And, and how are these people going to to enact those policies or not, but really remembering and keeping in mind the values that, that we share, the values that are informed by our faith, um, and making that decision and discerning who, um, who we wish to vote for. And, 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 and then once, once the person is in office, how do we engage with them, um, both asking them to vote one way or another, or um, being a resource for them as well. How do you walk the fine line between advocating for values and 
not advocating for a particular candidate? It's a really important question and one um, that I think everyone should be asking in general. I'd say first that there are ways to have common values and still recognize that there could be different interpretations about the best way to get at the outcome. Um, you know, so for instance, on healthcare, mm-hmm. we believe it's pretty clear value. We want to be able to provide um, healthcare for the most vulnerable among us. Um, and then I think that there's different ways as to how we can achieve that, um, different proposals. And I think that um, as Episcopalians, we can pull on evidence and you know, reason as well as the values that are undergirding it. So kind of merging the, the policy implementation piece along with, okay, we know we've got to make sure that we can feed the hungry. Okay, now how do we, how do we get there? You know, I think when it comes to particular candidates as a church, certainly we're not going to be advocating for one person or one party over another. But again, I think that recognizing that we can take our whole selves into account when we're voting um, and not just one issue. Sometimes we hear people talk about, you know, single issue voters on whether it's, you know, what their tax, the taxes they're going to pay or whether it's other kind of controversial social issues. And we think that we need to look at a whole range of issues. And again, probably none of us is going to vote for someone we agree with on across down the line. But if by and large there's people we can find to uphold the values that we think are most core, most important, that will put in place policies we think are really fundamental for all Americans, not just for ourselves, but to think about our neighbors um, as well, that's, that's a key piece. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to ask the the negative version of what mm-hmm. uh, Dean Douglas just just asked as well, because again, this fine line is such a, a challenging issue uh, for so many. How would you distinguish between a faith leader offering a vociferous critique of a, a particular political leader's policy or position versus the you know mandate? that that leader or we leaders not campaign against uh, a particular candidate, especially as many of our elected leaders are running for office again soon. Sure, yeah, and it's it's a difficult uh, distinction, but by and large, we have a constitutional right to petition our um, our elected leaders to petition our government. Um, we can do that as individuals and as organizations, and so as long as the you know the person is a, is someone who is holding an office and they're making decisions. Um, within that office, within the the boundaries of their their job, then it's absolutely within our means, and I think uh, we are called to speak out to those people and and in support of something that they're doing or in opposition to it, depending on what the issue is. Um, but that can be separated from you know something on the campaign trail, assisting a particular candidate or a particular particular political party and getting votes and getting connected to people in that way. Um, that's that's quite different work, um, and it's something that we would not. Uh, would not get into. Right. Right. You represent the Episcopal Church. So how do you take into account, you know, people don't think particularly that the Episcopal Church is very diverse, but it is diverse in terms of its political values, right? And so how do you decide which issues or how you're going to indeed lobby for such issues taking into account the diverse communion that you represent? That's, a, again, a, a 
important question and one that we think about and, and that guides us constantly. Everything we do in our Office of Government Relations, every policy position that we're advocating on, comes directly from a general convention resolution or in some instances from executive council. Um, if something important happens in between conventions, sometimes executive council will speak on something. So we, you know, there will be no action alert. We have an Episcopal Public Policy Network where we send out weekly action alerts where we don't link to a general convention policy. And so we believe in the governing body of the church and that the um, resolutions that have been put in place reflect the will of the church. It also reflects change over time. Mm -hmm. So we know that they're not static, um, but that the the resolutions that have um, been put forward just like fully, fully direct our work so that the, um, that's the actions that we advocate for. We also have a resolution that was just passed at this general convention. I, I think it might be B009 on bipartisanship. Because it's with the civil discourse. And it's it's pointing us to highlighting the need for civil discourse and a diversity of political opinions and again and and other forms of diversity as well. But we often talk about the representation in Congress from the Episcopal Church of the 40 members of Congress um, who had an Episcopal affiliation going into this um, 115th Congress, which is just wrapping up. There were 23 Republicans. Um, one independent and the rest Democrat. So there was a diversity of views, and we're in conversation with those members of Congress. We have morning prayers, we host them, we come together for bipartisan worship, and um, again, have conversations and try to lift up the values of the church. So coming out of this convention, there were a lot of resolutions looking at immigration issues, um, comprehensive immigration reform on gun, gun reform certainly was a big concern, social safety net, how do we make sure that people are able to provide for their families regardless of their immigration status again was a kind of component of that and then also as members of the global anglican communion um certainly in recognizing the particular role that we can play when it comes to challenges that our anglican communion partners are facing whether that's conflict in certain regions whether that's struggling with public health concerns like malaria um you know or governance concerns in places where there's concerning trends in governance um, around the world, religious freedom and other things. So we try to both lift up the resolutions of the church and of Episcopalians and then also connect that more broadly to the global Anglican communion where we as a Washington DC based office can have a voice and and help amplify the voices of those who the US government has an in who who the U.S. government should hear from, um, mm-hmm. people who may not always get the chance to be able to speak mm-hmm. to members of Congress and say, you know, here's our concerns and here's how U.S. government policies affect us. And in terms of kind of going back to kind of thinking of what congregations can do, uh, faith leaders and congregations can do, um, one of the pieces of the kit is, is about voter mobilization. Mm-hmm. So, this includes everything from helping people get to the polls, registered for the polls. Say a little bit more about uh, congregations' involvement in voter mobilization. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, some congregations get get quite creative with this, and so uh, I tried to compile some of the um, simpler ideas that are maybe easily accessible for for more parishes to take on. Um, but in, in the toolkit, in addition to, to helping an individual you know, know, okay, I need to register to vote in order to vote somewhere. If I'm not going to be you know, able to vote locally, then how do I get an absentee ballot? Uh, what are the deadlines I need to follow? You know, that, that's 
important and we're ultimately you know promoting that as as a part of this resource but people can go beyond just casting the vote themselves and helping others to do it um, and parishes um, church parishes ter- church groups can be a great way to organize communities not just the members of the parish but even their broader community and engagement in the election and so some of the ideas that that we're sharing uh, people can uh, may have mobility issues and can't get to an actual polling station they may need help with with a car and so so parishes can organize carpools you know a sign up list for those who have cars and can provide it and when and then a sign up list of you know who needs them um, sometimes child care can be a barrier for people um, getting free time to actually go cast their vote, and, and depending on where you are, casting your vote may take may take a while. You may have to travel a greater distance to get to a polling station, or um, there could be a line. And so, providing childcare is something that um, you know people can get involved in. Um, and I think with with those two examples, it's they're really neat because you can even engage. Uh, people who are not of voting age yet. So you can look to, to youth in the congregation and get them involved in conversations around the elections and um, have them participate in a way that um, is helpful and, and a learning opportunity for them. Moving beyond sort of those local parish initiatives, there's also sort of an advocacy side, um, a voter protection side. Um, so in advocacy, there are multiple opportunities to advocate for um, for people's right to vote, for for populations who are experiencing restrictions on their ability to vote. Uh, and then there's also an organization that called Lawyers and Collars that is helping clergy members and attorneys um, actually show up at uh, polling stations and provide sort of monitoring. Um, and they're also um, engaging ahead of the ele- ahead of election day in conversations with their lo- local election boards, local state governments um, to really say, you know, hey, we're here, we're watching um, this election. Um, and so we're encouraging it through this toolkit and through our, our other communications for clergy to, and lawyers in the church to take part in that, uh, in that initiative. And it's a multi-denominational, I don't know if it's a multi-faith, actually. I think it's... it's yeah, Sojourners kind of organizing yeah. with others, supporting. Mm-hmm. And, and we've been promoting that. So if there's any clergy who want to join that, there's information. I think it's lawyersandcollars.org or something. Dot, dot work, yeah. um, and it's it's really to be at the polls yeah, and to be good. monitoring and to have, again, people who have the, the moral authority mm-hmm. and also the technical expertise as lawyers to know the laws, to know what constitutes voter suppression, to know what the rules are around moving polling stations, voting hours, some of the things we've heard about that have been concerning that have happened um, in years past, and and we very much want to make sure don't happen this time. That there's not last minute changes. That there's not intimidation around needing kinds of ID if there's not if that's not been um, clearly established beforehand. Yeah. So how do you get that? That's v- very interesting. Again, first time that I've heard about uh, lawyers and callers, and think that it's uh, one of the things that we have to do is to show up and just be present. Uh, at voting places as witness. So how do you get that message out to congregations, to clergy, to bishops, by golly? Uh, How do you encourage them, get them to recognize that on election day, no one really should be sitting behind their desk voting and then after they vote, being out just showing up in these various ways? How How do you get that message to them? How do you lobby us? Right, right, that's great. Right. One way how how our office and the government relations office takes this on is through the Episcopal Public Policy Network. Mm -hmm. So um, that's how we send out 
most of our resources and information also through our website advocacy.episcopalchurch.org and through that we are hoping that people will sign up will share you know we'll get the word out to parishes we know that you know there's some people in parishes who are really active and they can share with others um, we'll be sharing with the bishops and urging them to get this out to their um, clergy highlighting that mm-hmm. when we are able to um, communicate with them but also you know we need help also there's not a we're a hierarchical church but also with some decentralized ways of doing things mm-hmm. and so we're always looking for new and creative ways and welcome mm-hmm. ideas to how can we make sure that people are aware of this how can we provide the resources that um, clergy members need that congregations need that people who have concerns or want to do more want to help um, there's so much more to be done again whether it's linking up people who have the resources time and capability with folks who need some of that or you know there's all kinds of things um, that could be done so we urge you to get involved with us but also to go forward um, with other organizations that maybe have their own voter mobilization projects locally absolutely and we have our colleague Chuck Winder who's Mm -hmm. not um, in our particular department but still on the churchwide staff is um, uh, doing, making some connections with particular dioceses that they are, we already know have a particular interest in voter engagement um, and partnering with other denominations as yeah, well. In and particular so look, with AME, in, in particular we're doing with AME. work and they're doing kind of um, connecting with folks who have been incarcerated and there's mm-hmm. a lot of that we're partnering with AME on that Chuck Wander is leading. Yeah. And uh, do you do any partnering with, for instance, the Poor People's Campaign and Bishop Barber who is now really focused as well on this, uh, the local politics and, and uh, getting people out to the polls and locally? And I know it functions sort of more on a federal uh, level, but the changes happen on the local level. Right, right. They definitely tap it on the local level. And, and again, our colleague um, Chuck Winder is really um, one of the primary people who are interfacing with the Poor People's Campaign, with the um, Act to End Racism. Um, there's another associated organization with that. Um, and so the, the places that within, our, within the Episcopal Church, the places that those campaigns overall have had more activity are going to be sort of the first ground that we'll, mm-hmm. um, he's looking to and that we'll look to for engagement in the elections, for engagement with lawyers and callers. I don't know what, if any, connection there is between lawyers and callers itself and, and the Poor People's Campaign, but I mean, in terms of our relationship. And we've just sent out, we've got, I'm an Episcopalian and I voted stickers. Yes. And we just sent them out to the Poor People's Campaign um, through Melanie, too. So we've got our colleague, um, the Reverend Melanie Mullen, um, is really the lead on that effort. And we're always happy to support her however we can on the Poor People's Campaign. Well, thank you. This is great work. And I'm so excited that you're going to have a chance to speak with students, uh, the EDSA Union students, uh, later tonight. And um, for those who are listening, just really do take a moment to check out the uh, toolkit. It's a great resource. And again, thank you, uh, Rebecca and Ellen, for coming speaking with us. Thank you for having us.